The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is going on? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here coming at you on a Friday as the Los Angeles Clippers coming off a very impressive win over the Houston Rockets, a game in which the Clippers absolutely dominated from start to finish as the Clippers continue to look absolutely red hot with everyone healthy. On today's show, we're going to try and have on Adam Spolane. He covers the Houston Rockets and a lot of other things for Sports Radio 610 in Houston. He's a guy that I know from the minor leagues. He broadcasted for the Grand Junction Rockies, also the Casper Ghosts. So we'll talk to him about last night's games. I didn't get a chance to watch, as most of you know, I broadcast basketball for UC Irvine Women's Basketball. And we had a game last night, so I was not able to watch. But Adam was there, and he will be able to break it down much better than I. And he'll give a good look into what happened last night, because it seems like the Clippers solved the Houston Rockets. Everyone was talking about the Houston Rockets going small and how good they have been and unleashed Russell Westbrook. Well, the Clippers and Zubots just absolutely came to play and were fantastic. I want to talk about a couple of numbers before we get into the interview portion of the podcast. And most of these are courtesy of our friend Justin Russo, Fly by Night on Twitter. That's K-N-I-T-E on Twitter. Justin brought up a couple of really good points about this team. So first of all, you talk about the Clippers defense and everyone knew they were going to be good with Kawhi and PG and Pat Beverly. We're finally starting to see it since getting healthy. Here are the point totals the Clippers have given up. 97, 92, 103, 130, and that's when Shake Milton went absolutely bonkers for Philadelphia, 94 and 105. So to look at that a little bit closer, the Clippers have won six straight games. Aside from that Shake Milton game where he went absolutely nuts, the Clippers have held their opponents to 98 points per game, under 41% shooting, and just over 26% from three. That is absolutely incredible. Those stats courtesy you of StatMuse, at StatMuse on Twitter. This defense is good, guys. It is really, really good. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know that my one issue with this team has been health. And when I talked to Adam Osland, I said, we're getting to the point now where you can't use health as an excuse. And the reason why I say that is because you can't just guarantee health. You have a lot of guys on your team that have been injured over the last several years, whether it's Paul George with both shoulders, Kawhi in his knee, Pat Beverly in his various ailments. It just seems like you can't continue to make excuses when you have players on your team that are hurt. But now that the Clippers are healthy, they are proving why they should be the favorite to win the NBA title. Of course, we have the Lakers-Clippers game coming up on Sunday. That's the next big one for the Clippers, and that will wrap up what should be a really telling stretch for the Clippers. A couple of other numbers for you. The Clippers last night had a 113 offensive rating and a 100 defensive rating. That is really good. Now, when everyone checked out with 5.30 to go in the fourth quarter, it was 117 in the offensive rating and 87 on the defensive rating. That's really impressive, okay? 
Of course, the Clippers were great defensively. No doubt about it. I mean, just look at what Houston did from three last night. Houston was 7 of 42 last night from three. That's 17%. It is Houston's worst three-point percentage in a game since 2017 and their worst percentage in franchise history when attempting 40 or more threes. Harden was dreadful from three. The Clippers have seemed to solve the Houston Rockets, and that may be a team that you'd be okay facing in a seven-game series. I know that's scary to face off against Harden and Westbrook, but this team is showing how good they can be when healthy. A couple more numbers for you, and then we'll finally get to the podcast, of course. So, Pat Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, and Ivica Zubats had a plus 20 net rating in their 95 minutes together. Okay, that's really good. So, the bench lineup. How about them? Reggie Jackson, Lou Williams, Landry Shamit, Jermichael Green, and Montrezl Harrell. They have a plus 40.8 net rating in their 56 minutes. That is incredible. It tells you that this offense and this defense and this starting lineup and this bench unit has to be feared amongst everybody in the NBA. Just absolutely incredible. This podcast, like all our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out the website at hawaiianisles.com on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee or on Twitter at High Kona Coffee. And of course, you know what you can always do with these games? Make them a little more fun. Maybe you have no interest. It's not a Clippers game. Of course, you love the Clippers, but let's say you want to bet on a random, I don't know, let's say the Portland Trailblazers. You love Hassan Whiteside. You think he's going to dominate. Let's throw a couple of shekels on that one. You know where you can do that? How about mybookie.ag, our online betting partner here at Hoopball. Go sign up for a new account. Use the promo code TODAY. That is the word TODAY. And MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Whether you want to bet on basketball, you want to bet on the XFL, you want to bet on college basketball as we're getting down to the wire. We got some conference tournaments on the women's side starting this week. Next week will be the men's side. And then, of course, you have March Madness the week after that. So whatever you are interested in, go ahead and go to MyBookie.ag. Now, without further ado, let's get to Adam Spillane. All right, here's a guy that I've known for a while. He's someone that was uh, a broadcaster in the Pioneer League and now has taken his talents to covering many different Houston sports for Sports Radio 610. Adam Spolane joins the Hoopball Clippers podcast from an airport in Houston. What's going on, Adam? Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So uh, if you hear any background noise, it's because Adam is ready to hop on a bird. So we, uh, we have him on to chat about last night's game. And Adam, first things first... The Clippers dominated Houston last night, but Houston missed a lot of open shots. I want to go to a tweet that you actually recently retweeted where Houston opened three-pointers with the closest defender four to six feet away, 0 for 13. Wide open threes, closest defender six plus feet away, 6 of 23. So the win for the Clippers last night, was it as much as the Clippers dominating or Houston just missing shots? It's both. Um they generated they usually generate about 37 38 of those open threes a game so obviously they were kept a little below their average but you know some of it is also um, the clippers make you adapt and they they get out to, to shooters a little bit quicker i think mentally the rockets probably felt a little bit rushed with their shots 
so I thought that was more last night, the Clippers being really, really good than the Rockets being really bad. I, the Rockets were not good last night, uh, but I was just really impressed by what I saw from, from LA. What impressed you the most about the Clippers last night? Uh, the way they defended, uh, the Rockets did not get anything easy, especially early on in the game. And they really imposed their will on them. And, and you could just see the Rockets, uh, they, they got taken deep into the shot clock far too often. Uh, the Clippers really focused on, tr- on their transition defense. And that was something that Russell Westbrook talked about after the game, that uh, they, were, they were making sure that they were getting back. They weren't worried about offensive rebounds. They weren't going to fall into that offensive rebound trap that we've seen teams uh, fall into uh, as the Rockets have started to play small. So they focused on just getting back on defense and making the Rockets beat their half-court defense, and the Rockets really struggled with that half-court defense. It really does seem if there's going to be a team to give Houston problems with a small ball, it would be the Clippers, just because you have PG, Kawhi, Marcus Morris. You have those guys that are long. They are great defenders. They can switch. It really does seem like the Clippers are probably the worst possible matchup for Houston. Would you think that? Um, you know, originally, but, you know, then I, I also – it's not like the Clippers beat them small, though. I mean, the Clippers were able to stay big, and the Rockets couldn't make them pay for that. I think that was the big failure of last night's game, is that the Clippers started Zubats, and the Rockets couldn't, and Zubats was great on the offensive end, and they could not make him pay at all on the defensive end. I mean, he basically, they stuck him on P.J. Tucker, and the Rockets didn't do anything to get P.J. Tucker more involved in the offense, whether it was setting screens or just forcing switches. And I, think, I thought that was the real failure of last night's um, game plan, at least offensively, was that they could not play Zubats off the field and, or excuse me, off, off the floor. And, and then Montrez Harrell and, and Zubats dominated them inside uh, uh, on the offensive end. Yeah, Zoo got played off the court in that series last year against the Warriors, and he made it a focus during the summer to make sure that would not happen again. But it does seem like, sure, the Clippers dominated with Zoo on the floor yesterday. He was tremendous with the 17 points and 12 rebounds. But also, we didn't get a chance to see as much the possibility of the Clippers going small. And it does seem like they do have the ability to just hang with Houston in that small ball. Now, have the Clippers, this is a weird question to ask, but have the Clippers solved Houston's small ball or is it just a bad matchup, you think, for Houston? I, I think it was probably more just a bad game than anything else. Um, I, I, I'm not going to call it a bad matchup at this point I, mean, I think the Clippers are really good and I do think that they would match up pretty well with the Rockets if they were to meet uh, but I, I think it was just one bad game more than a bad matchup at least at this point I mean, we'll see if they do meet again uh, right now it wouldn't happen until the conference finals uh, but I do think that if, if I were the Rockets and I had to pick between the Lakers or Clippers in, in round two I think I'd rather play the Lakers right now yeah, it's interesting because the Lakers obviously have LeBron and AD, but it does feel like Houston can run up and down the floor with the Lakers. You've watched both teams now, the Lakers and the Clippers. If you were to take a guess, who comes out of the Western Conference? Uh, I would pick the Clippers right now just because of the depth and the fact that they can rely on a lot of different guys. Now, the one caveat to that is I've seen Lou Williams and I've seen Montrezl Harrell in postseason, and the, the results are pretty mixed. Um, Lou Williams, when he played here, did not play well in the postseason. He was not good in the games where the Warriors actually tried in the playoffs last year. The the games in Gold, uh, the games in L.A., especially in Game Six, he wasn't very good. And, and Harrell is, is so much on energy and effort well, that gets kicked up a little bit in postseason. Um, so I I think the Clippers are better right now. I would pick them uh, if the two teams were to meet in the postseason. Their Clippers are already two and zero against them uh, during the regular season. Mm-hmm. But Lakers are really good too. 
But I'd say the Clippers are just a, a little bit better right now. I have to give you some credit, Adam, because you and I were talking on Twitter earlier in the season about Mo Harkless. And I thought that he was really integral to what the Clippers were doing defensively. I knew he was not doing much offensively. But you said to me, he got played off the floor last year just because he could not make a shot. There was no point having him on the floor in the playoffs because he just couldn't do anything offensively. And I said, well, I don't think that'll matter as much with the other guys on the floor for the Clippers. His defense is important. And then the Clippers go out and ship Mo Harkless. Do you think the Clippers now are in a better spot with Marcus Morris and guys like Reggie Jackson than they were with Mo Harkless because of the offensive ability. As much as the defense would be better with Mo Harkless, it seems like the offense, I know people talk about the ball stops when it goes to Marcus Morris. Do you still think they're in a better position now than they were before with Mo? Yeah, because he, he's a threat on both ends. And in postseason play, if you're a zero at one of uh, before, then that gets picked on. And you saw this with like Andre Robertson, who's an elite defender, but it's hard to play a guy like that in the playoffs because you're playing four on five at one end of the floor. Uh, and you just can't do that. You can, you can do that. That can win you a round, but it can't win you four rounds. It's not, not in, not in today's NBA. Um, so you, you saw it last year in the playoffs where Harkless and also Alfred Camino with Portland, they were such a big part of, of what those guys did, but it was really, they didn't make enough shots in the playoffs. And that really, that it slows down your offense it just makes you easier to play. And so you know, I thought, and Marcus Morris too, he gives you just an edge that I think you need in postseason. He's not afraid of the moment. You know, if you get matched up against the Lakers and, and you have to face LeBron, then obviously you have, you, you have Leonard and you have George that can, that can take minutes, but you also have Morris. Morris is not afraid to, to defend LeBron James one-on-one in a big spot. He's done it before. So I, I thought that trade was just a no-brainer. And I really thought that, they were probably the biggest winner of the trade that night. Yeah, they did a nice job getting Reggie Jackson, too. It's funny because everyone talked about how Reggie Jackson, not that great. He's not really a great point guard. He also will stop the ball. But it's interesting that what the Clippers have done with Lou Williams is they played him off the ball. And you saw Lou Williams a lot. I mean, if he doesn't have to have the ball on his hands all the time, there's less pressure on him. He can go to the other side of the floor. And Jackson's done a nice job running the offense. You've seen these guys. You've seen Lou Williams. You've seen Montrez Hale. You've seen Pat Beverly. They all were in that trade for Chris Paul. How have those three improved since when they were with Houston? Because Lou Williams has stepped into the shoes that Jamal Crawford had here in L.A. And, of course, Montrez Harrell has improved so much so that there's talks about him getting $100 million in the offseason. Yeah, Lou was not very good here. Um, he, he struggled to shoot the ball. I think he struggled to fit in. It's, it's tough when you get traded at the trade deadline. And he was essentially their fourth guard on that team when it, when it was Beverly and Harden starting and Gordon coming off the bench. That was a tough role for him, and I don't I don't think he quite fit in. Um, Beverly is Beverly. He hasn't changed at all. He's the same exact guy. Um, and uh, in fact, I think offensively, he's probably taken a little bit lesser role uh, with the Clippers because they don't need him to do as much. Uh, Harold's been the re- the revelation. I didn't think Harold was very good. I didn't think that uh, he was an impact player, and he's proved me wrong. I mean, he he always played with the motor. But he's added some skill, and he's really worked hard on his game. He's improved his rebounding. He's become a lot more physical, uh, and I, I didn't see that coming. Um, you know, they tried to to develop his outside shooting a little bit when he was here, and, and that never really took. Uh, it almost felt like that was the only way that he would be an impact player. I mean, they they were in the playoffs against San Antonio in '17, and Nene got hurt, and they couldn't play a center. I mean, Montrezl Harrell still was not able to to find his way into a playoff rotation. And you give him a lot of credit for working hard and improving and putting himself in position where he's an indispensable player on a really good team. 
Where do you think he fits next year? I mean, I'm curious because you're a guy who's been on the outside. So now you've seen him at Houston, you've seen him in L.A., and you don't have that Clippers bias that maybe someone like myself might have. Is he a guy that's going to be deserving of the amount of money he gets? Because he is, like you said, a high-energy guy. But how much more can he improve his game? That's the question. So do you think he's worth getting that $100 million or so? I don't know if anyone who plays that position is worthy of that sort of a contract. Mm-hmm. I just with the way the league is trending, I, I think it's hard to justify that, especially when you consider he's an undersized center. So I, I think that teams are shying away from paying centers big money anyways. And the fact that he's an undersized guy, he's not going to give you much room protection. He's more of just you know energy and can, can get you buckets and, and draw some fouls. I think that's more his role in this league, and it's very possible that a team with cap space uh, gives him that big offer. I, I would shy away from it, but you know I've underestimated the guy for years, so I could be wrong again. Yeah, he actually worked on his three-point shooting, I think, in the offseason. It was something that I was looking forward to possibly seeing this year, but it does seem like he's kind of put that in his back pocket and decided not to use it. And he's become, like you said, a very important part of what the Clippers are doing. And the Clippers have seen Zoo sit on the bench for a long period of stretches this season where you've seen Harrell play 17 to 18 straight minutes. And that seems a little bit unfair, but it's something the Clippers have done. You saw Zoo in person yesterday. Is it, how do you think he can fare in the playoffs now that you saw him in a matchup against Houston? I mean, that was the best I'd ever seen him play. So if he can do that night after night after night, then he deserves to be on the floor for, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game. Now, I don't know if, if he's capable of doing that on a, on an every night basis. I don't know. You know I, again, the Rockets really didn't attack him at all uh, on the defensive end. And you wonder if a team starts to do that a little bit more, if they can play him off the floor that way. So I, I would need to see him replicate that again in order to feel like he's a guy who should be on the floor in crunch time of a playoff game. But that was a really good start. I mean, that, that was an opportunity for him to really prove himself. And he imposed his will. And I wasn't sure that was possible. I mean, he did it really on the game. I think it was the first possession where um, they missed a shot and he didn't get the offensive rebound, but uh, he forced Russell Westbrook to foul him on the offensive rebound. And uh, Westbrook got into some quick foul trouble because of it. So I was just really impressed by his motor, his energy, and just how he was physical and just imposed his will on everything. I mean, there was there was one possession where uh, Austin Rivers got matched up with him in transition, and he just he he just uh, posted Austin up and and made a nice little hook shot over him. It was it was a really impressive game by him. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens now in the playoffs because it feels like that is just one adjustment away from Zoo being put in a bunch of action at the top of the key and being forced to switch, and that could end up being a problem. I'd be curious to see how the Clippers adjust. In last night's game, Harden was not good, to say the least, and we've seen a lot of yapping between Pat Beverly and between Russell Westbrook. Harden wasn't good last night at all. Was that because of the Clippers, or was that an off game? Because he was terrible. He's been in kind of an odd stretch, really, for it feels like a couple of months and you know, as Westbrook has really played well over the last two months, it seems like Harden has not, and they've kind of gone in different directions. Um, the Rockets have done everything they can to, in a sense, they've transformed their team in order to fit Westbrook. I mean, that's why they traded Clint Capella. They didn't trade Clint Capella uh, because it would make Harden better. They did it because it would help Westbrook. It would help Westbrook to have the floor spread, and it has. And Westbrook has really taken off. But, you know, it, it, it might have hurt Harden a little bit because he doesn't have that uh, that outlet on the lob anymore. 
and he's kind of missing that. The shot hasn't been real consistent. I think he missed all eight of his threes last night. You know, he's had a couple good shooting games here and there, but for the most part, you know, that shot hasn't been falling the same way. So it, it almost feels like you know, early in the year, Westbrook was trying to find his way with this team. And, you know, he's playing a little bit tentative. And it almost feels like Harden has kind of taken up that role, whereas West, Westbrook has uh, really dominated the ball, and he's been their best player for, you know, a month, month and a half. And Harden's trying to find his way. So it's just kind of been an odd transformation with how they're playing right now. It feels like that's a recipe for disaster. I mean, doesn't it? I mean, it feels like if Westbrook's the only one that's dominating, and sure, he has been fantastic. I mean, he's shooting over 50%, it feels like, every single game. But if Harden's not the guy that he was when he was needed to be the basically a 50-point scorer last year, it feels like Houston has no chance in the playoffs. It, do you think that they're in trouble now because of their reliance on Westbrook now over Harden? No, because I, I do think, you know, the, the one area where when you look at the difference between the Rockets with Westbrook and the Rockets with Chris Paul, it's that Westbrook really has to have the ball because if you play him off the ball, he's not a threat. You know, he, he, he's not a good enough shooter to where teams are afraid of him. And, and with CP, you know, teams were afraid to leave CP open because CP's a really good shooter. Harden's good off the ball because Harden's a good catch-and-shoot shooter. Now, the one strange thing with him over the last week or so is that he's been passing up on a lot of clean catch-and-shoot catch looks, and that's one area where when he gets the ball, he's just got to shoot it. And, you know, it just feels like he's playing a little tentative, and he's just got to find his way again. Uh, and they just got to – they have to figure out how to be able to play well together. And I don't think right now they're doing that. Talk to – Go ahead. I, I do think it's something that, you know, they got 21 games to figure this out. Yeah. No, I mean, there still is time. I talked to Chris Fisher, who does the TV for the Thunder, about Chris Paul and what he means to the Thunder. And he has been a floor general for that team and just really done a nice job for OKC when everyone thought he was going to get traded. But I want to go one step backwards from when he ended up on the Thunder in that Westbrook 4 CP3 trade. We know CP3 well here in L.A. and how important he was to the Clippers. Do you think there's any regret about that trade in Houston land, about trading away Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook? I don't think so, just because Westbrook has been great. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like Westbrook has played poorly. He had, he had a rough start to the year just coming off the surgery, and he really didn't have much of, a, of an offseason. But he's been great, and you know, aside from him not playing back-to-backs, every night he's able to play 36, 38 minutes. And the one thing with Paul is that He's hurt a lot the last couple of years. Uh, he was obviously hurt in the two biggest games of their season two years ago when they won 65 games and, and lost to the Warriors in, in Game 7. But they were always really worried about his minutes. And, God, we, we, can't, we, we can't play him more than 32 minutes. And with Westbrook, you don't have to worry about that. With Westbrook, he's able to carry more of a load than Paul was. And, and I think that's important, especially as James Harden hits you know, 30 years old. And, and he can't – I don't think they want him carrying that same load that he has the last couple of years. It's funny because everyone talks about the Clippers and how if they didn't make that PG trade, they would have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, they would have Gallo, they would have all the picks, and maybe they would be able to convince Kawhi. Probably not. But let's say they have Kawhi on their team with that boatload of picks and SGA and Gallo. And then you can look at Houston and say, well, what would have happened – if they never did that CP3 trade and they held on to Lou Williams, they had held on to Trez, they held on to Pat and put him with Harden, you wonder where the Rockets would be. Where do you think the Rockets would be if they never made that deal and they had those pieces that the Clippers currently have? You know, I think that team probably hit its ceiling. And I, I, Beverly wanted to get traded. Uh, Beverly, I think, wanted a different role on a different team. 
uh, Lou Williams never really fit, and I don't think they would have re-signed Lou to another deal. And they they already had Harden, and they already had Gordon, so the, you know he's the fourth guard on that team essentially. And Harrell, I don't know how much they really believed in him. Yeah, you know, I've heard some factions of the organization really liked him, but he was a guy who wasn't getting consistent minutes. And, and when Nene got hurt in the playoffs in, in 2017, he still didn't have a role and he still found himself outside the rotation. So I, I don't think the Rockets regret that trade at all. And I, I think that they would absolutely do it again, just because the first year they won 65 games and should have won the Western conference. If one, if one hamstring, if one hamstring holds up, they probably won a championship that year. Yeah. Houston was very close to winning. I mean, that, that's a team that I think Daryl Morey probably is going all out this season. It really does seem like, the rumors are true that if they do poorly this year, he's out just because of all the China stuff. It, I'm, I have you on, so i got to talk Astros briefly before I say goodbye to you. What's your thought on everything going on right now with the Astros? I'm sorry, say that again. You're breaking up. Uh, what's your thought right now with the Astros? i got to have you, you drop in a couple of pieces of knowledge there with what's going on there. Um, they are – I think that there's a level of embarrassment – with them there's a level of regret that they did it uh, i'm sure there's there's anger that they got caught and there's anger at one guy for flipping uh with my fires um but i don't think it will have a real big impact on them um I, it's, it's a team that has dealt with adverse situations before they have won road games in the playoffs in yankee stadium they won three road games in the world series last year so I, I don't think it will bother them that much. They're, they know they're going to have to deal with it. They know that it's going to be a distraction. But if there's a team that can handle that, I do think it's this one. It's a really good team. It's a, a really solid clubhouse. And I don't see that changing just off of this. All right. Where can people find you? I know you're on Twitter, at Adam Spolane. Anything else you, uh, you want to promote before we say goodbye? Uh, just check out SportsRadio610.com. We always have some great content over there. Adam, thanks for joining me. Of course, anytime. Well, there you have it. A quick conversation with Adam Spolane gave some insight into last night's game in which the Clippers defeated the Rockets 120-105. to And boy, the Clippers really have been red hot. I mean, you look at the last several results for the Clippers, and this is a team that is just flexing its muscles in the biggest way possible. Right now, the Clippers have now beaten the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Nuggets, the 76ers, the Thunder, and the Rockets. And they are doing so by pretty big margins. They're winning, I think, by about 17 points per game during this six-game winning streak. Of course, next up is a big game for the Los Angeles Lakers. And this is going to be an interesting one because it's at 12.30, and it's actually going to be daylight savings time. So, technically, it's actually 11.30 in the brains and the bodies of these players. I don't know how the Clippers are going to look in that game. The Clippers have not been good during these matinee ball games, whether it be the 12:30 against Memphis, the 12:30 against the Knicks, the Clippers have not looked good during these 12:30 games. I think the Lakers want this one more because they've already lost to the Clippers twice this year. So I'm not entirely sure what we're going to see at the Clippers. If the Clippers beat the Lakers, I got to tell you, man, this is going to be. I mentioned before about the Clippers' schedule and how they had a chance to go about 17 and four in 21 games. It really is full steam ahead if they go ahead and beat Los Angeles because then you go against Golden State, Brooklyn, New Orleans, and Dallas will be tough ones. Denver, too. Then Phoenix, New York, Brooklyn, Detroit, Charlotte, Indiana, Sacramento, OKC, Chicago, Utah, 
Then the Lakers, Golden State, Minnesota, Portland. Not many losses the rest of the way, but it should be interesting to see how the Clippers look against the Lakers. We'll have a podcast for you wrapping up that game. Going to try and bring on Corbin to discuss that one. Corbin being a Lakers guy and also has filled in for me here on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at BD Marcus, the Hoopball Clippers Twitter handle is at Hoopball Clips. Of course, if you have a moment, it would mean a lot if you went to that iTunes store and you went ahead, give us our five-star rating and review the podcast as well. It does help. A big thanks to you for listening to this podcast. I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long, and we'll talk to you next time, and go Clips! This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.